You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm pleased to have a guest on the show, Mr. Josh Terrell. He's a coach and servant leader in his community. He and his wife, Tina, his better half, those are his words, have three beautiful children, Genesis, Shiloh, and JT Jr. Most importantly, Josh is a follower of Jesus Christ, makes it his mission to pursue his purpose and identity in Christ. Josh, it's great to to have you. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan, appreciate the time. Uh, Appreciate the conversation uh, that we've had and are going to have. So happy to be here. Yeah. We're happy to have you. So yeah, bios are are great and everything. It's good to kind of get some tidbit information, Um, but this is the Uncommon Podcast. And so we don't want to just stop at your bio that, you know, people can read on your LinkedIn page. But what I would like to know is like, what is something uncommon about Josh that many people don't know? Hmm. Um, I'm originally from the South side of Chicago. So I'm a city boy gone. I guess you call it country, fell in love with, with Iowa. I uh, thought, I, thought I'd always be in the city, inner city, uh, where my family is. And so um, I now love to fish, hunt, uh, kayak, and um, just kind of spread out. So uh, that that's, I would say that's continuing to evolve about me. Um, outside of that, you probably never know I'm a wrestler, former wrestler, uh, because I wore my headgear every day. Uh, so <laughs> good for you. Yep. Like have some screws loose up top, <laughs> but you warded off the cauliflower ear. Yes. Yes. I knew when I got out of college, I I'd need to uh, find someone to say I do. And uh, my ears <laughs> could not hinder that. Yeah. Those are, those can be a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> how did you, I'm curious, how did you end up in Iowa? Yeah. So, so, um, it's a really cool God story and I'll kind of give you uh, some of the highlights. So um, growing up in Chicago, when I did, it was the Michael Jordan era, right? So I was a basketball is my love. Um, we moved out of the inner city at about middle school, sixth grade-ish. And um, because of the crime and everything was kind of starting to scale up. And uh, I had an opportunity to get involved in football. I basketball, wrestling, track. And so we, we had an opportunity to just kind of explore a lot more. And uh, long story short, this uh, coach, who's a mentor and father figure today, saw some potential uh, in a guy that was just getting wrecked out there, right? <laughs> and um, said, hey, you know, I, I think you should come out for wrestling. You're, you're not going to uh, be dunking a ball in high school. You know, you and your buddies are um, – you and your buddies have some potential. And so I think this will be a great sport and opportunity for you. And um, I pretty much told him to get out of here. I thought about <laughs> it two weeks later and um, yeah, m- made the turn and uh, the, the rest was history. And 
So started having some success and, and growing in the sport and um, ended up my second year transferring from uh, Northern Illinois University to University of Dubuque, uh, and which I thought I would never be, but um, a, a lot of great things worked out for me to come here and uh, got the best grades I'd ever had in my entire life and was having some uh, athletic success. I was a four-time All-American and national champion on the mat and uh, ended up finishing up with a master's degree. Um, and so I had a lot of opportunity there, had a lot of great support and mentors to this day. And um, yeah, so, so it was a God thing. I was, I was just, I'm a city boy gone, gone to Iowa. Nice. I love it. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, as a, a follower of, of Christ, I'd even love for you to share kind of a quick testimony of I mean, it's hard to share a quick testimony, but even just like those high level points of like how you came to, to know Christ as your savior. Yeah. So, so I, I grew up in the church. Um, I have some faithful grandparents uh, on, on both sides. And so uh, there were, there were a lot of weeks and months, Ryan, I was at church six days a week. And so uh, prayer, Bible study, uh, Sunday service, after Sunday service, rehearsals, and um, so I kind of did that and always had a, a reverence, if you will, as opposed to relationship and, um, you know, going through high school and early in college, I just had a lot more autonomy and just kind of did my own thing. I was in the background. Uh, and then I uh, heard this guy by the name of Tim Schneckloff from Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, just talk about his life, uh, his, his background, the things that he's overcome and he did it in such a, a way that just made Jesus look cool. And I was like, man, I want that. And uh, I stayed after practice and chatted with him. And uh, he roped me into being part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I eventually started serving in different capacities there and um, really got serious about learning more about a relationship and entering into a relationship with Jesus and uh, just growing. And so my uh, now wife, Tina, was a part of that, too. And so we shared into that and spread that amongst the team. Um, and uh, that eventually led me to uh, where I am in church, uh, my capacity, which is, is playing music on on Sundays, music ministry. Awesome. So it sounds like his Tim's testimony was very powerful in your own life to kind of move you from that religious background, if you will, into mm -hmm. that, that relationship, which is so important. Yeah. 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 No doubt. It, it was just so personal and, um, you know, I just felt the realness of it and it's like, man, I can, I can get down with that. I, I want that. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, one of our uncommon pillars, I know that we talked about before is just that worthwhile work. And, um, you know, where we look at pursuing passion in our profession and working hard for God's glory, I'd love to hear a bit about like your vocational journey. I know you have background in sales and coaching and now with three E partners, like when did you feel like you knew what God's calling was in your life and kind of what does that journey look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm still understanding the call, right? And, and uh, as, I, as I grow in um, character and development, right, I, I understand a little bit more, but uh, there, there was a early on right out of uh, college, I uh, catapulted into insurance with a carrier and 
Um, it was interesting because it was commission only and uh, the company sounded great and they were doing great things. And so like, hey, my bills are pretty low right now, uh, being a pretty much a college student still. So why not? I'll give it a shot. Um, during the course of that first year, uh, I did everything, just about everything in my power to try to get out of that and go somewhere else. And I wanted something a little bit more comfortable or stable, if you will. Um, but it was it was something that I could do. I just didn't know if I was up for it. Uh, and those doors were closing, shut, boom, 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 boom. And um, so I decided, you know what, I'll, I'll give this thing my uh, best shot and um, put it to the test. If it works, great. If it doesn't, right, I did what I was supposed to. Uh, and things really started to turn, right? And, and I, I went from uh, just having a mindset of wanting to be a sales guy uh, to make some money and do some things differently to being able to coach and learn uh, leadership development and build teams. And so starting to have some success at that and got a call to move here to central Iowa to continue to uh, build that out here. Um, you know, we enjoyed a lot of success with it as well. And uh, went on a lot of trips, uh, had shared in many accolades with the team. And then in 2020, decided it was time for something new, right? Um, I'd had almost eight, nine years in with that organization and um, just needed something different to fill my cup and reinvent myself. Uh, and so I uh, started an agency and uh, that was about two weeks before the world shut down with the pandemic. Uh, and so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun, <laughs> but we, we were able to endure it and um, have some success and have some wins that keep us alive. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I still thought in the midst of that up to about, I don't know, about six, seven months ago, uh, as we've grown over the past three years now, that, hey, my call is to build this thing up, have some people do it with us, and, and maybe become part of another organization, right? Maybe I'll go off to do something else, been in insurance for a while, um, and God showed me that that wasn't the case, right? Uh, wanted me to continue to coach and develop people here uh, using the platform that I have through insurance sales. Uh, business to business. And so um, that, that call continues to uh, evolve, right? I'm starting to learn more about it. Um, similar example, I thought when I got in college, right, it was just to be just to wrestle, right? I thought God has me in college to wrestle and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be good at wrestling, right? Uh, but then, it, you know, I got an education um, and then I was uh, supposed to be out of the city in, in Iowa. And then I was supposed to join a church and help a church plant. And that, that call started to evolve. Um, as I learn more, as I do more and stay active. And so um, that journey continues, which, which I think keeps me on my feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds even like, um, like it's kind of like a balancing act of, of being content where you, where God has you and what you're doing mm -hmm. while also being open to what else might be out there. That's yep. something that I've had to navigate in my own life, just vocationally, um, wanting to, I'm very much like, I like change and I like learning new things and I kind of can get bored easily, but I, God's, you know, had to mature me and just being content and being faithful with, with what he has for me. It's like, if you can be faithful with little, you can be faithful with much. Like, do you kind of see a similar, a similar, uh, kind of relationship between contentment and kind of ambition in your own 
Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like you in that sense. Right. I, um, you know, I always, uh, songs of Jesus take the wheel, right. I impulsive Josh likes to take the wheel and, <laughs> uh, ask Jesus to ride shotgun, right. Until I get into trouble or, um, steer off course. And so I'm impulsive. I'm a, I'm a mover and shaker. Um, I like to get things done. And so, uh, sometimes that can veer my mind to go work on another project or, uh, start something new. Right. Uh, and so I very much like change as well. Um, you know, just, just being a change advocate. And so there is a good balance or good integration, uh, that I think maturity brings with, you know, being content, right. And where you are and, uh, doing your due diligence. Um, but, you know, being open to being open to change as well as, you know, funneling and channeling that ambition, um, because it can be used, right. But it, it can, can also be explosive. Yeah. And I mean, God knows how we need to grow more than we do. So if we're, if we're the type where we're kind of, you know, seeing all the squirrels running around and chasing them, he's probably going to close some doors and be like, you need to focus on what I've called you to. And if we maybe are fearful of change, he might put us in a position where he's calling us out, you know? So <laughs> he knows Absolutely. what he's doing. <laughs> Sounds like the God I know too. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say um, you love most about the work you're doing right now? And how do you see that as really an investment in, in God's kingdom? Yeah. People, um, you know, we, we, our business to business, uh, insurance sales, supplemental insurance sales. Uh, but I, I really consider the, the highest priority and most impactful uh, responsibilities that I have people development and leadership development specifically. Right. And so, um, I really believe work-life integration is something that, uh, I want to try to bring to our, bring to the market, right. To, to transform kind of the workplace, uh, and, and not that, you know, we, you know, you have a loose work culture and, you know, you're watching Netflix and things like that. But um, when we can break down the walls of compartmentalizing, uh, we can really get a true person and help that person be productive uh, and effective. Right. And including their family and uh, understanding their challenges, uh, their worries, um, the things that really restrain people from being great. Right. And so we. We, uh, we, we are purposeful, right, with our time uh, and our organizations that we uh, are blessed to own and operate. Uh, so, so I would certainly say the people. Right? I wouldn't like to do what I'm doing by myself, uh, no matter what it paid or uh, where it would take me. Yeah, that relationship component is, is first and foremost, is, is crucial. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you kind of, you kind of touched on you kind of answered this already um, when you mentioned just that you've developed a passion for kind of outdoor activities, fishing, kayaking, things like that. So I was going to ask you, like, if you had a free day, basically, what does Josh like to do when he's not working? So if you had a free day, totally to yourself, like, what are you doing? Are you spending it with some friends or family? Or are you like, this is like my day? What kind of recharges you? Yeah. I would say I would, I would split it up. So, um, pal around with my family. Uh, that's, that's probably most fun for me. Um, but then my kiddos are so young when it's nap time, 
uh, I'll try to go sneak in nine holes. Uh, okay. So my competitive side uh, is starting to channel there. Now I'm not where I should be, uh, probably by a long shot. So if we ever get a chance to go out, Ryan, I think you'll you'll attest to that. <laughs> but um, you know, I got such high mileage on all my joints and, and body from competing. Uh, I enjoy the game of golf and the social aspect that it brings, and uh, just the the tranquility of being outdoors, uh, mm-hmm. playing sports. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a golfer myself, so no, I wouldn't be good competition for you <laughs> in that one. <laughs> Fris- Frisbee golf, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you also kind of touched on just work in the community. I'd be curious to hear a little bit about that. And then even just like what your personal community looks like. So like you said, like, uh, getting together with friends, um, what do you like to do? And, and, and even like, what do you think makes a, like a truly uncommon friend? Yeah. Work in the community. Uh, so, so we're heavily involved in, um, our church. And so, uh, music ministry is one of the, uh, pieces that I champion, um, in our church. We also help serve on a leadership team, um, just from an organizational structure standpoint to make sure we're operational and we're running effectively and efficiently, um, uh, we also uh, started a nonprofit back in 2020 uh, by the name of Black Excellence. And, and our vision for that, our vision statement is that Black is represented well in the boardroom, living room, and classrooms of our radius. And it's, and it's really being responsible for um, marginalized space of uh, African-Americans or Blacks across the life spectrum, right? In the living room, uh, maturing, matriculating the classroom. And then representation in the boardroom, right? Jobs, career, et cetera. Um, you know, out, outside of that, uh, we look for uh, opportunities to understand what other uh, service projects are taking place. Um, and without figuring, without getting ourselves spread too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to your question of uh, an, an uncommon friend, uh, you know, I love people, right? I'm a, I'm, I'm a relationship type of guy. Uh, I'm an extrovert, um, but we've also been burned, right? By trying to um, put people in a friend category too quickly, right? Or, mm. or um, you know, not pe- put people in the right seats on the bus of your life. Mm. And so we, uh, you know, once we find friends or a friend, uh, we don't draw a distinction between friend and family, right? It's, it's, Hey, we're, we're in this thing together. And so people you can do life with, right. Yeah. Uh, maybe they don't share all the same things that you do. Right. Uh, there are some differences, uh, but you come together on some centrally shared uh, values, right. Uh, some ethics and there's gotta be some fun, right. I'm, I'm a humor guy. So there's, there's gotta be some fun baked in some laughs, uh, things like that. But, but we really, we really look for people that we can do life with. Uh, and, you know, have a, have a great time with. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you touched on with the, the aspect of friendship, not necessarily being people who see the world exactly as you do. And even like, I think a great quality of a friend is like someone who does have different perspective and can even challenge maybe some of the blind spots that you might have. And yeah, it's like the verse is like a better are like the, like the harsh words of a friend than like the kiss of the enemy. I'm not saying it perfectly, mm-hmm. but just someone who's like, 
sees you for, for who you are and like knows your values and can, can hold you accountable to that and can offer just different perspective. And yeah, truth tellers, right? Right. Right. Not just yes, men, right. People who are just going <laughs> to tell you that you're killing it in every, every area of life. And yeah, I think especially as you have kids, like I know for me, like my wife, we just have two young boys, but as we pursue friendships, it's like, that's an important part of it is like, who, who are kids, friends, parents. And, um, not that we only have friends who have young kids, but you just, you know, you got, you also need to be protective of, of your yeah. kids and the adults that you allow in their lives. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're creeping into that stage now. <laughs> yeah. How old are your kids again? Uh, our oldest is turning five on uh, a week from Sunday. Uh, our second kiddo is two and our last kiddo is, is turning one, uh, two days after my oldest. So okay. we'll soon have a five, two and one year old. Nice. So what's your oldest child's birthday? Her birthday is June 4th. Okay. I was like, that's really, cause our oldest is June 5th. So Oh yeah. And yeah. <laughs> our third is June 6th. So we're, yeah, we're, we're right. At, we're stacking up birthdays right now. Yep. For sure. That's awesome. <laughs> Summer, summer's an exciting time for you guys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to like shift and talk about marriage. And another one of our pillars is just radical relationships. First and foremost, a relationship with, with Christ and then how that goes into marriage and um, yeah. How long have you and your wife, Tina, been married? And like, what about her made, made Josh say, like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this woman? Yes. Yeah, uh, we are going to celebrate eight years on Sunday. So uh, we're excited for us. So throw that into the, the summer events. Happy anniversary. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we're, we're both really excited. Um, she and I met uh, in college. So we we're college sweethearts. And uh, it, it was interesting, right? I, outside of um, my paternal grandparents, I've never really had an example of marriage, right? And so um, single mom, five kiddos, you know, some stepdads here and there, but uh, outside of that kind of broken families uh, and communities raising children. Uh, and so she, on the other hand, does have examples of that, right? From small communities, farm towns, uh, her family's from. And, and so she was unique that in that she, she really, really knows how to love well. She's, she's really known how to love well. Right. And so with people that she's interacted with her friends, right. Strangers, uh, when she would, uh, connect with not just me, but my family, uh, even when we were in college, um, she, she loves really well. She's a great listener. And, um, you know, even still through that point, I struggles with, uh, do I, do I want to get married? Do I want to set myself up for, you know, something I'm unsure of. And so we, um, we went down the journey of premarital counseling at a, at a church that we were going to, the pastor uh, was kind enough to offer us time and uh, expertise and, uh, Ryan through that time, man, we fought about everything. We found everything <laughs> to disagree on. It could be get about, it out of the way, right? Get it out of the way, man. It was food, <laughs> finances, how we're going to discipline children. And, um, but we looked up and the better part of a year, we we're growing together. And um, at that point too, you know, God had saved her and 
I remember I was driving up Highway 20 back to uh, college and um, he just put it on my heart. All right, what's what's your excuse now? Right? You know, you guys are growing together. Uh, uh, God's given her salvation and changed her life and heart. And um, there was nothing in the way. And we had been together for a few years at that point. And so um, while I was excited, I was like, oh, shoot, I need to go figure out this whole ring thing. Right? <laughs> uh, and so we, we got married with some of our uh, close friends and family and a great celebration and um, got a couple of years uh, and some travel time. And, you know, now kiddos are here. And so uh, we're still learning. Right. Paul calls it a profound mystery. Um, the, the, the cool thing about marriage is right. It's two becoming one. Right. The tough thing about marriage is two. It's becoming one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that's something that we continually try to uh, figure out, uh, something that we're committed to, uh, something that we, we try to display and model uh, on the platforms that we have. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, like what is, what's like an ideal date or what do you, what do you and your wife like to do for fun? We love to travel. So, um, she, she's kind of a beach girl. She loves to go to the beach or uh, pool. So uh, anytime we can win a trip or go on a couple's trip, um, we just get a chance to retreat and unplug and, uh, just do life at a slower pace and laugh a little bit more. So we like to get out of town. Yep. Are the kids tagging along on those trips or do you guys, are you guys able to go just the two of you from time to time? Yeah, we're able to go time to time. We travel with them too. Um, and so we're trying to figure out the best mode flight or, or, um, on the ground with them, uh, being so young, but, uh, we get an opportunity to do both. Uh, yep. so, but I would say our ideal date is just having a couple of days, uh, away on our own a couple three days, but we do get out on date nights on a weekly basis. Uh, so we have great uh, support uh, for our kiddos, just having a center. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's been good. It's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. That just touches back on like the importance of having community and mm-hmm. it's great when you have adults that you trust that can, can watch your kiddos. So you can make that investment in your marriage and you can return that favor, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so much so that our, our kids uh, are asking, are we gonna are we gonna leave out yet, right? Or why are we lingering around the house? Uh, go, mommy. Go, daddy. We're, we we want to hang out with uh, whoever the sitter is, right? Yeah, so that, gives us a, that gives us comfort. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you guys have planned for your anniversary? We're gonna do a little staycation. So um, after we get done with worship on Sunday, uh, we'll sneak out while the kids are napping with the sitter and. Um, we'll go grab uh, a bite, go downtown, see if we can find some live music, and um, we'll find a place to spend a night, probably a hotel or something downtown. So sweet. We'll pretend we're in Florida by the beach. <laughs> yeah, just don't look out the window. <laughs> yeah, we'll head to Raccoon River or something. <laughs> just as good. You could just hang a poster <laughs> of the beach on your window. that's right man yeah but it'll it'll be a lot of fun yeah good for you guys um so yeah father we just had mother's day father's day is coming up and i find that it's like a time for me to kind of even just stop and think like how am i doing as a dad like how am i showing up 
where am I doing well? Where do I maybe need to recalibrate? Is that something like what, if you're asking yourself that question, how do you, where, where's Josh like showing up great as a dad and maybe where, where are some areas that you feel like you need to grow? Yeah. Great question. So yeah, I think to your point that it, that is a great checkpoint to just ask those type of questions. And I try to have some of those check-in conversations, um, with Tina, my wife, uh, and so the, the best tool that we found to reflect that is uh, our calendars, right? Uh, anything that's a priority uh, has to show up on a calendar, right? Or, or it's likely not going to happen. Um, and, and so we, we really believe in being where your feet are, right? I really believe in being where my feet are. And so when we're at work, right, we're gainfully employed and we're being productive and we're being great on purpose and in purpose, uh, but when it's time for dinner around the table, uh, you know, put our phones away. That's what we do. We uh, just kind of retreat from that and uh, ask about the best part of each person's day. Uh, we'll get some mixed results from the youngest kiddos, but that's fun too. Yep. Uh, and, you know, my knees are beat up from, from playing puppy on the ground with them and things like that. Um, I would like to, I would say the the biggest opportunity that, I think we have for growth. I have for growth is, um, you know, I really want to do a better job on Sundays. uh, Just kind of have a family meeting, right. Um, Where there's a little bit of Bible study. We talk about the things that are happening uh, and there's not a lot of comprehension, especially about the younger two, but if we can get in that rhythm and get a habit of having just real, real life conversation, right. And growing together and making sure that we're absolutely present, uh, spreading God's word in their lives and in their hearts. Um, that's everything, right? And so it's one of those things I've got to get in the calendar and keep in the calendar. Um, so yeah, I, 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 w- I would lean on that being uh, an area of improvement for us that yeah, I need to be. Sure. That's awesome. Like, yeah, in our community for the the uncommon, like, last month we went through our fervent faith pillar and a big part of that was even just talking about the topic of family discipleship. What do those, what do those rhythms look like? And and at various stages in our kids' lives, like you said, you know, young kids, they, they don't have the comprehension nor the attention span to like sit down for a a Bible study. Yeah. But I think even the, the questions that we ask our kids can, can go a long way. And I think even the question you asked was like, what was the best part of your day, which is a much better question than just like, how was your day? How was your day? It's like, fine, good, busy. What was the best part actually makes you think. And, and it's just inviting some curiosity. Uh, There's an aspect of gratitude with that. And like Mm -hmm. little, little kids can, can answer that type of question. Absolutely. I've also also been surprised at how much my uh, three-year-old son like does comprehend around um, just different biblical things. And he loves watching like Bible cartoons. Mm -hmm. He watched one uh, where like, it was like the, it wasn't a cartoon, but he, he watched something where he knew that Jesus died and he got really fixated on that. So Mm -hmm. he would just say like, Jesus died. And so I was like, that's true. But how do I, how do I help him kind of go a little past that? Right. And so I just, I just taught him he died, he rose and he reigns. 
And like he doesn't understand all of that, but he started saying that. Yep. So it's just like you can build off those little things. And I think to your point, like starting at a young age, you're at least getting in the habit. As they grow older, you're already you already have that system in place and you can just build off it. If you wait till they're I'm just gonna wait till they're like 10 and they can understand, it's like I mean, you've already missed out on so much and it's gonna be hard. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, those developmental pieces. And so right now it's really cool watching them say grace um, and mm-hmm. um, figure out who's going to say it between my four-year-old and two-year-old uh, and just their little prayers. So that's that's really cool um, and, you know, rewarding to just know that community's coming full circle, right? I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're visible with our faith in, in the workplace. And so, you know, th- those individuals, some of those individuals attend our church and things like that. Right. So, so we're, we're trying to hopefully make it go full circle for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah. I love that you touched on prayer too. That is like another thing that we can teach our kids at a young age is even just like a one, two sentence prayer, getting in those rhythms. We live on Beaver. And so, it's pretty regular that we'll hear a fire truck or an ambulance drive by. And my son loves just the siren. He calls them weeboos. He thinks they go weeboo. <laughs> so anytime we hear a weeboo, he says, pray for the weeboo. And so uh, like, he holds awesome. us, he holds us accountable to like pray. <laughs> and so we're like, yeah, we're just like, God, please protect the, the weeboo <laughs> and whoever, <laughs> whoever they're going to help, like heal them. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just like it's so cool to see like how he's grows in that. So yeah, and those habits will just continue to continually enhance and evolve right into uh, deeper specific prayers, right? But mm-hmm. but that foundation and those grooves are being built. Yeah, yeah, and that you're teaching them like there's nothing too small to pray about, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be these big issues. Like you can pray. Right pray when you hear a siren go by so absolutely very god cool, will, man. yeah god will listen what would you say are some of the values that you're um, trying to instill in your kids now but even as you think as they get older like what are the, the important ones stewardship's a big one uh for for us right and um you know starts with me and and them and so um so so i would say stewardship and specifically uh you, you know passage comes to mind with that anytime I hear the word or, or get convicted that maybe I'm not stewarding something correctly it's it's the parable of uh, 10 minas right and so um, I love that parable and, and that it's a story of development through stewardship whether business development spiritual development uh, talent development relationships or character or anything else right and, and so as 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 we know in the body we'll get judged by the works that we do uh on earth right for uh, our reward to coming in heaven and so jesus charges uh, these disciples and us to be good stewards of our time talent resources and relationships and i and i love the parable see it talks about you know a guy going away a master going away right giving them uh giving 10 guys 10 minas and he's going to come back and he's going to ask, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? And there's an apparent standard, right? Um, first guy, you know, has a mean and multiplies at a thousand percent. He says, I have 10 minas. And Jesus says, 
uh, well done, good servant. You've been faithful over a few, right? I'm going to put you over 10 cities. Next guy multiplies 500% or five minus. He says, you're going to be over five cities, right? He doesn't say well done, good servant, right? But there's a reward. And then the last guy um, is, is reflective, I would say, of society. And that it's like, hey, I put in a handkerchief, I dug a hole, and I just wanted to keep it there. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Uh, and so uh, Jesus goes on to condemn that individual, right? And, and so um, we, we like to get all we can, can all we get, and sit on a can as society, right? And, and you know, it's in the form of hoarding, finances, and just other things. But when we're good stewards of the time that we have, um, which we, we don't know what that is, right? The talents that uh, Lord gives us to develop and to serve with the resources, whether uh, money or relationships, um, you know, we can effectively be who we're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Jesus gives specifics to go out and engage, right? In this context, engage in business. And so uh, faithful stewardship is is what I would say we're we're trying to instill, right? We, we don't know who they're becoming, right? What their vocation is going to be. Uh, but we want them to try some things. We want them to be uh, prayerful and thinking about it. We want them to see us serving. Uh, we want them to see us engaging in business and uh, not being focused on um, serving money, right? But having money serve the, the kingdom of God's purposes. Uh, and so uh, if we can, if, if we could instill that right on the foundation of uh, their salvation through Christ, then that'd be a win, man. Yeah, absolutely. I think as even as you shared that parable, the parable, the thing that stuck out to me is that the third servant was really acting from a place of fear, mm-hmm. um, fear of the unknown. Um, you know, even I, I don't know if that in that parable is like I know that you're a, a hard like master, mm-hmm. so I'm like fear of if you failed, fear of failure, mm-hmm. and it just is a reminder to me like I don't want to do anything out of a spirit of fear and like we haven't been given a spirit of fear but of power right. and love and sound mind and that's something that i want to instill in my kids is like there is no you don't need to be afraid in anything you do because god is with you and especially like when it comes to the work that you do you don't need to be afraid of failure because as long as you learn from it and you tried your hardest you didn't actually fail like those are where the greatest lessons are learned and that's where we develop character and yep and if you fail fast, fail forward, like you're going to be so much further down the path than, than so many people in life. So, yeah, so true, man. I, I heard a speaker say it's, it's when you give um, everything you have in, in a way of excellence, uh, you do it consistently over a duration of time. It's inconceivable not to have success. So when you pursue it with excellence, consistency, and you put in the time that it takes, um, it's improbable to not make it right now. Now, as long as long as it's in accordance to what you're supposed to be doing, right. And, and God's will, but, um, you know, in, in, in that, in that sense, right. Fear doesn't really have a place, right. I mean, that's hope, that's encouragement, um, that's, uh, advocacy, right. And, you know, it just kind of changes our mindset some. Yeah. There's like, there's almost like a co- compound interest effect 
to mm-hmm. that mentality. It's like, as long as I stay the course and continue to get 1% better every day, mm-hmm. e- even in spite of like the inevitable setbacks and challenges, long-term is going to be success. It's like, can't it's going to happen. Yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. That's Absolutely. cool. I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. I needed to hear that one. Yeah, really the last thing I, w- I wanted to touch on was even just one more of our, our pillars and that's victorious vision. The idea of like designing your compelling future, kind of imagining what you want or your just dreams really, but then not sitting around waiting for them to happen, but just working relentlessly towards creating that that life that that you feel God has called you into. And so one exercise that we've done in our community and Phil and I even did a, an episode on this is we wrote our own eulogies. I'm not going to ask you to do that right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can sound a bit morbid on paper, but I, the purpose really is just to start with the end in mind. Um, answering that question, like, what do I want my loved ones to remember and say about me when I'm no longer here? And what do I want them to remember about the man I was, the life I lived, the legacy I left behind? And so I'd even love to just pose that question to you, Josh, is what are some of the things that you hope that your loved ones will remember and, and say about you when your time here is, is, is done? Yeah, so that was a great podcast, by the way. I listened to that one and uh, took a lot from it. Um, and we, we do a, a similar exercise at work at least once a year where um, we'll, we'll just bullet point, right? What are the things that would go in your eulogy um, today and what might they what might they read if you got another 50 years, right? How would you want that to, to be written? And so, you know, today, um, I feel like it would read some of the, some of the nice cliche things, right. For the most part, right. It'd say, Hey, Josh was a, you know, a good wrestler, right. He enjoyed entrepreneurship. Um, uh, he liked to travel. Nice things, right. That, um, you know, will fade away. Um, what's important for me and for us is something that has legacy, right? Josh changed, uh, a generation, um, from the, uh, poverty and, um, the lack of, of resources that, uh, we could give to community through engaging in business, right. And in stewardship business, like the parable of the manas, Josh created a legacy of lasting leaders, right? So I'm hopeful that in, my service, whenever that is, uh, if somebody posed a question, how many, how many folks are leaders because Josh took the time to invest in you and to disciple and mentor, right? There's a lot of hands that go up, right? And um, so, so that coaching and that leadership development uh, in many capacities, that's, that's really important to me uh, because you know, you have an opportunity to to live on, right? The the principles that send God's word, right, can live on through other people, and to be a part of that, to be a catalyst for folks that are doing well, or maybe that were down and out, um, right? Challenge accepted is fun. It comes with a lot of heartache, headaches, but um, absolutely committed. So, so yeah, I would tell you, Ryan, uh, legacy of uh, leaders developing leaders. Yeah. And, and what about, uh, what do you want your kids specifically to remember and, and say? Dad served, dad served well, right. Um, dad modeled it, uh, and, you know, from, from a church to, 
uh, or entities that we own and operate to um, you know, leading the way in community. Right, we got out and served. Uh, it wasn't that the business was just serving us or, um, you know, people were serving us or we had money uh, that we served, right? We were, we were on purpose uh, and, and what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Reflecting that servant heart of Christ, right? Mm. He's a ser- servant of all. Yes, absolutely. Those that want to be first, you have to be last. Right, right. Amen. Well, as we close, Josh, are there just any final thoughts or words of encouragement you'd like to leave with listeners? Yeah, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You know, a few things that uh, we try to live by is one, um, again, be where your feet are. Uh, we, we have a, a tendency in society to get busy and try to multitask, which is, which is the biggest perpetrator of uh, productivity and effectiveness, right? So be where your feet are in that time block and in those moments. Um, two, one that convicts me is that there's no such thing as bad teams, right? Only bad leaders, right? And so if I have to face that every day, which I do, um, that gives, that informs me on how to communicate, right? On how to coach up, uh, coach out, coach out, live through the mission and model, um, on a daily basis. Right. And, um, you know, lastly, I, w- I would say have fun. Uh, this life isn't as, as complicated as we make it. There are going to be some heartaches. There are going to be some troubles, right. Some things that, that happen, but I, I do believe the old adage that life is 10% of what happens and 90, the rest of the 90% is how you respond. Yeah. Uh, and so, we we can point to many many examples of that, and um, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in the midst of um, the time that we get here and stewardship. So that's awesome. Yeah, those are all great great nuggets of wisdom that we can all all uh, take. So yeah, Josh, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Really enjoyed our conversation. I know it's it's blessed me. I know it'll bless our listeners. And yeah, thank you again. Ryan, thanks for having me. I appreciate what you guys are doing uh, in the Uncommon World and podcasts and organizations. So look forward to future connections and collaborations, man. Yeah, absolutely. Stay in touch. Um, Happy anniversary. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Likewise. Happy Father's Day to you, man. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.